All right, if you have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at just a few verses, verses 13 through 16. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Josh, be on standby. You're going to be our writer again. You've done that all week this week. Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. We ready? Getting there. This is following our message from two weeks ago. And this is what we read. Jesus is speaking, Sermon on the Mount. Speaking to His disciples and the crowd that is gathered. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you open up our eyes and our hearts to understand this passage that we are salt and light, but we are that only because of what Jesus has done in us. And so, Lord, I pray that our church is filled with people who are doing good works so that, the, that you are glorified. So, Father, I pray that you help us see what you've called us to do and be who you've called us to be so that you might get the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, a little pop quiz for us. It's been a couple weeks. And so, Josh, if you'll go to the board. Hey, listen, you just have to write. You don't have to volunteer any answers. You got the best spot in the house. So we, we went over these things called Beatitudes. Um, some of us aren't familiar with that. It's blessings where Jesus is saying, blessed are the ones who this is true of, this characteristic. So blessed is this because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who... Because they will see God. And so there's eight of them. Does anybody remember or can give me one of them? Josh, you'll write if they're, if they're right. Jason? Bam. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, does that just mean you watch a sad movie and you start crying? What, what does that mean? Blessed are those who mourn. Good deal. What's the what's the first blessing? Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So that's that, you're good. Just, you just keep writing. Blessed are the poor. And then the next one is blessed are those who mourn. And so the context gives us the reason for the mourning, right? The the poor in spirit is a is a correct understanding of who we are apart from Jesus. Like we have no hope apart from Christ. And so we are poor, we're missing, we are lacking, but because of Jesus, we might know God. And so when you recognize that you're poor of spirit, you can get help. And Jesus was constantly saying this. He said, I didn't come to rescue the healthy people, I came to the sick. Right? It's the Pharisee who thought he was good enough on his own that didn't need Jesus, but the tax collector was one in the back beating his chest saying, have mercy on me, O God. And so the broken spirit leads to the mourning, this brokenness over sin. 
And Jesus is saying, this type of person, the poor in spirit, the ones who mourn, those are the ones who are blessed. So that's two. We got six more. I, I, and I won't ask follow-up questions like I did to Jason. For what? They will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. All of us in the room are hungry and thirsty for something. And Jesus directs that to righteousness. And we obviously know that Jesus is our righteousness. And so we want to reflect Christ in every area of our life. And to the degree that we reflect Jesus in every area of our life is to the degree that we are pursuing hungry and thirsty for righteousness. All right, somebody else? Blessed are the meek. Probably the most unpopular of the eight would be my guess. Blessed are the meek. Does anybody want to take a stab and then try to explain this if they were here two weeks ago? Blessed are the meek. So does this mean th th that this group just get walked over? And I thought it was interesting that the Bible only describes two people this way. And they are the two greatest leaders in the Bible. Well, one is God, Jesus. Jesus says, hey, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for my load is easy and my burden is light, and I will give you rest. And he's describing himself as meek, as humble, come to me. And then it's described of Moses, that he was meek because he had a couple people talking trash about him. And God says, hey, well, we can wipe him out and start over. And Moses is like, no, let's, let's have mercy on this people. He, he didn't consider his own rights. He laid them down for the good of the people he was trying to lead. And I think for us, I wonder if meek could describe, because the United States would reject meekness. If you're going to be strong, it's not going to be by showing meekness and humility. It's by making a name for yourself. This is countercultural. You will stick out if you are meek, putting others ahead of yourself, just as Jesus did for us, laying his life down for us so that we might have life. And it's funny, when you follow Jesus, do you remember the requirements? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. The way of the cross is humility. That is meekness. All right, anybody else? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Alistair Begg this past week had a, a message that went viral, um, and he was explaining the thief on the cross. How many people uh, were on the cross by Jesus? Two, right? Three altogether. Both of them were talking trash to Jesus, but one of them recognizes that there is something different about Jesus. And Alistair Begg was saying, you know, this guy, this thief, he can't wait to cross paths with him in heaven. He goes, he gets to heaven and he goes, I wonder like if the angel at the gate, which this is just a story, this is not how it's going to go when you get to heaven. But he goes, I wonder if the angel at the gate is like, what are you doing here? And this thief on the cross like, I, I don't know. And the angel asks him, well, what's your belief in the Bible? Or what church did you belong to? Or what have you done? And the thief goes, I, did, I haven't ever been to a church service. I, I don't know the, the scriptures. And he goes, well, why should we let you in? And the thief turns and tells the angel, well, I don't know. I just know the man on the middle cross told me I could come. 
And, and that's all of us. The only way we get heaven is not because we've done something great, but it's because we get Jesus. And if you know Christ, you get heaven. And when you understand the mercy that God has shown us, that he sent his son to die on a cross for us, man, that's mercy. And then when other people wrong us, do something bad, it should be easy, at least easier for the people of God to show mercy. So that should be a characteristic of kingdom people. All right, what else? How many we got up there, Josh? Five. Five? Three more. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart because they get to see God. That's an amazing promise. And, and there's a, a verse in 1 John chapter 3 that talks about when Jesus returns, we shall see him and then become like him because we shall see him as he is. It's an amazing thing when you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you pursue holiness and your heart is pure. When you see Christ, you want to keep walking with Christ. There's nothing this world has to offer that competes with the joy that's found only in Christ. As a matter of fact, your heart will go after everything else except Jesus and never be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. All right, two more. Bam. So the last one, blessed are the persecuted. The ones that get mistreated for following Jesus. The ones that get made fun of and left out for following Jesus. And I believe that the promise to that is, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you get Jesus for all eternity, a little momentary pain is nothing in compare, compared to the greatness of Christ. All right, what's the one we left out? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. There we go. There we go. Blessed are the peacemakers. Good. And this flows, peacemaking flows from knowing that you have peace with God. And you're going to, you're going to hear about this a little bit later. 1 Corinthians 5 says that Jesus has come to reconcile us to the Father. Right? Before Jesus, there's this hostility, this wall, the separation between God and people. Our sin separates us from God. And it's pretty serious. As a matter of fact, it's eternally serious. There is no peace with God apart from Christ. No one approaches God because of what they've done or who they are. The only way we approach God is because of what Jesus has done for us. And then once you have peace with God, it's an amazing thing how God's Spirit works out peace in other relationships. So blessed are the peacemakers. Now, Josh, thank you. You can sit down. Hey, man, I appreciate you writing. Josh has been writing all week for us. We're doing a little leadership academy up at Holmes High School, and he's got the best handwriting of the ten guys. And so don't you even argue with that, though, Marcus. It's not even close. <laughs> for those that didn't hear, DeMarcus just said, I might not be able to spell, but I can write well. Oh, great. And so you had these, and none of them looked really loud. Like, it looks like you could miss this person, doesn't it? Like, would you notice these guys? Blessed are those who, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. It's almost like you could live your life and miss out the people who belong to the kingdom. And Jesus comes back with an uppercut 
In Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 16, he says, hey, and by the way, kingdom people that are characterized like this will be salt and will be light. You won't miss them because they will change the world around them. And that's who we are. Jesus doesn't say you will be. He says you are salt and you are light. And so let's dig in, but it's important that we understand the context, right? So right after blessed are, boom, 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 he goes into now be salt and light. And so as you walk with Jesus and live out these characteristics, you can't help but to become salt and light. All right. So here we go. Number one, you are salt. Salt preserves. And so and we'll see with verse 16, the whole goal of being salt and light is that people see us, see our works, and they give glory not to us, but to God, who's transforming us, who gets all the glory. And so with being salt, it's the idea of preserve to the glory of God. Salt during this time was primarily a preservative. It also added flavor. There was no refrigeration at this time, and so they would put salt on meat and fish and try to keep it as good as it can be for as long as it could be. And so here Jesus is saying, just as salt does for your food, you should do for the world around you because it is decaying and sin is destroying. And so in these places, God places his people to preserve the things that bring glory to God. And so your neighborhood and your family and your school and your workplace should be radically different because there's a lot of salt in those locations. So we work to preserve the glory of God. And so we're, we're going to flesh this out. We'll have some examples from history. I think this was a helpful definition from Don Carson. The purpose of salt is to fight deterioration and therefore it must itself not deteriorate. Do you see the warning in verse 13? Jesus gives a warning to both of these, salt and light. He's like, you are salt, but if salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? And you want to know what I think has happened in a lot of churches and a lot of people? There's not much difference in the people that attend a service and the people that just live their everyday life like the world is all there is to offer. But if you're walking with Christ... Guess what happens? Your marriage is radically different. How you raise your children and how children treat their parents, radically different. How a Christian high school student operates in the classroom is radically different when you're following Jesus, living out what God's called you to be, than those who have no idea who are walking in darkness, who have no idea what salt is. should be radically different. The problem is when the salt loses its saltiness. And so you guys and myself have to do our own inventory. God, is this true of me? How have I compromised? Where am I losing my saltiness? Because if you lose your saltiness, it's no good. And God's called you to so much more. And so a couple of examples, and this has happened all throughout history. Salt looked like a long time ago, Right after Jesus ascended to the Father during the Roman Empire, listen to this guy, Callistus. He lived a radical life through social activism. 
He had grown up a slave, organized something called Life Watches in the areas where babies were left to die so that they could be rescued and adopted by Christian families. And so what would happen is if a parent had a baby and it was inconvenient and they didn't want the baby, there was something wrong with the baby, wrong gender, wrong whatever, they would take the baby and leave it. And the baby would die. And it was the church that would come and preserve life being salt in the world. And so this guy organized night watches so when parents at spots where they drop off kids to die would go and rescue. And the church has always done this. Another example is this guy named Basil from Caesarea. He was involved in politics and the main voice to ban infanticide. And he took it to the leaders of the Roman government and they outlawed it in one lifetime. It went from being legal and common to being illegal and done away with because God puts salt in places that need it. You guys might have heard of Telemachus. Telemachus was a, a monk, very quiet, not very tall, small dude. And for whatever reason, he said, I felt God lead me to Rome. And he goes to the Rome and there's this Colosseum. And you know what happens in the Colosseum? Gladiator events are going on. And these gladiator events would glory in the killing of other people. The gladiator was praised who would win the battle and put to death the other gladiator. And this monk, we'll call him Telly, this monk saw it. He's like, what is going on? And he jumps the wall and stands in between these two gladiators fighting. And for a moment they stop. And then the crowd starts to harass this guy, this monk that was just visiting, saying, get out of the way, on with the games. They start picking up stones and throwing them, hitting them. The gladiators now are thinking, well, I'm going to die. I'm going to take care of this dude. And they stab him, killing him. And at that moment, the gladiators realize what they have done, stop, and walk out of the arena. And after a few moments, the crowds disperse. And did you know the Colosseum was never filled again for a gladiator event where one gladiator would kill the other? Why? Because one man visited a place that was decaying and was filled with death and said, you know what? I am salt of the earth. I can preserve something here. Did you know he wasn't the only Christian in the arena? but he was definitely the most salty. I want us to be salt where God's placed us. Amen? Amen. Number two, not only are we called to be the salt of the earth, but we're also to be light. You see this in verse 14 starting, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Right? That light goes on and on and on, especially during a dark night. Now, this is before lights. Can you imagine coming around the hill and you see downtown Cincinnati and let's say the, the Bengals are playing a game and the stadium's lit up. You can see the glow of that light from miles away. That's what Jesus is saying. The Christian should be seen miles away. And the darker a place is, the brighter the follower of Christ will shine. City on a hill cannot be hidden. But then you see another warning. 
No one lights a lamp, puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. So what he's saying is you don't light a candle and then cover it with a pot. And all of us are like, well, duh, that's common sense. We know that. The problem is, as Christians, we often do just that. And I want us to take just a, a real quick warning right here. The light doesn't come from within you. The light comes from Christ. In John chapter, I think it's 8 verse 12, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will not walk in darkness. The light always comes from Christ. And so as you walk with Jesus, you can't help but to glow. It, it reminds me, if you guys have ever plugged in a light bulb, right? And, and right before you get it tight, it flickers a little bit. Might make you nervous. Don't want to get electrocuted. But as you go, it starts to flicker. But once it's connected, it gives off light. If you're connected to Christ, the light of the world, people are going to see your light. This doesn't come from trying harder. This comes from simply being in Christ. As you walk with Jesus, as you live this out, as God produces a new life in you, you will be light to a dark world. So you see the warning just as the one that was given with salt. So how are we being light? How are we being light? There's a, a couple of things I want us to, to share with you guys briefly and what we're doing as a church. All right. Number one, we've started to uh, partner with the Crete Collective. The Crete Collective is a network of pastors and churches that are focused on reaching areas that are underserved with the gospel. Right. So when you look at Covington, how many churches do you think are in Covington? There's over 20. There's over 20. If you go down the street, you can't help but run into another church building. You could run into a couple because there was a couple that got in a fight and went right next door and started another church. I mean, there's church after church after church. The Creek Collective comes along and says, hey, we've got a problem. We've got, there's some neighborhoods in the United States that don't have many churches. And I'll... I'll share this with you. I was at seminary. We were meeting for a church planning conference. This is back in 2013. Some things have changed since then. I know it's a little bit dated, but I'm sitting around with a bunch of church planners, and a guy from Philadelphia comes from the inner city, and he asks the group, and we have about 40 church planners in the room. He goes, how many of you guys are going to a city to plant the church? And about half of them raised their hand. And then he goes, how many of you guys are going to an inner city, ran down part of the city, and not the ones that's gentrified. Two people raise their hands. Two out of 40. You, you see, this is a problem. In our cities, the gospel isn't getting to where it's needing to go. And so this Creek Collective comes along and says, hey, we're going to raise up black and brown pastors and send them to cities that don't have churches because we are light in the darkness. And so a couple of guys that we need to be praying for. This is the first family, Joshua and Jessica. They are in Washington, D.C. Now, a lot of us don't know the layout of Washington, D.C. The specific neighborhood is the Congress Heights neighborhood. 
All right, so go ahead. If you have your phone, you can take a picture or we can put this up after service. You can come up a little closer and get it. If you don't have your phone, just put down Joshua and Jessica and then you can put Congress Heights Neighborhood. This church meets at 5 o'clock in Sunday evenings. They got permission from a Nazarene church to share their building just like we did uh, when we started. And so we need to be praying for this family. They're in a difficult neighborhood. Not a lot of churches around specifically reaching the minorities in the neighborhood. And so this is Joshua and Jessica. So Tracy, when we pray, I need you to remember Joshua and Jessica. We'll pray for them. All right. The next one, this is Jeremy and Angelica. They are in West Palm Beach. Now, some of us would love to move to West Palm Beach, but they are in a neighborhood that's not reached in West Palm Beach. Uh, Hispanic my, uh, minority, mainly populated city. Um, it's the southwest neighborhood of West Palm Beach. The name of the church is called The Light. The Light. I love it. Light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. And so uh, Elvis. Is Elvis, Elvis is in the building. Jeremy and Angelica. So when we pray at the end, if you'll pray for this family. Tracy, if you'll pray for the first family. But we want to give and use our resources to make an impact wherever there is darkness. Now, it's very easy to talk about how to give resources to help impact the darkness. What's a little bit more difficult, I was a little bit nervous turning that around. Sometimes we got some artists in the room and they don't do too hot in drawing, right? All right. Now, I'm using homes, but we could fill in a number of different places, right? If you're involved with Holmes High School, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand and keep it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteen people. So there's fourteen people. Listen, that'll fill up a salt shaker. That would be a very bright light. And so my question is, how can we be salt and light in this place? So Holmes is our local high school in Covington. Now, we're going to give examples here, but they would work for Connor Middle School. They would work for your hobbies, where you work at the golf course. You can use these to be salt and light. Do we have any other big employer where a lot of people work? St. E. Physicians and Fidelity, huge in Covington, huge in area. And so you can apply these principles to, to be this. All right, so let's think specific examples of how we can be salt and light at Holmes High School. Yeah, we have prayer lockers. They would put in their prayer request, boom, we could pray for them. Right? What else? Praying with teams. We have a lot of coaches, and so it's easy to, to pray with our teams. Trace?
Listen, if, if you're going to be a light, it's going to be by pointing people to the light. And so it's going to be a hundred small conversations where you're encouraging and pushing students and staff to Jesus. That's what the light does. Um, when were the, uh, the bad storms coming through? What, what night? Was that last week? My weeks are all going. Last week, we had some storms roll through. We actually had a tornado touchdown in Burlington. And I was reading RCN News, and the reason why I paid attention to it, it was on Idlewild. Well, my sister lives on that street, and she said, we didn't hear too many sirens. And this article in RCN News says, well, there was a malfunction in the sirens at this Boone County location. The one time you needed the siren, there was a mal you want to know where there wasn't a malfunction? In Covington. The siren is right across from our house. And when that thing rotates, it's blaring, right? The windows are shaking. We're like, I don't know if there's a tornado or not, but we know there's a warning out. You guys and me, we are all in our schools, in our workplaces, and we're not there for decoration. We're there to be a light. We need to sound the alarm, point people to Jesus. Because I promise you this, the destruction of a tornado is nothing compared to the destruction of sin. And so let's be like, and right now, this is pitiful. We got more examples? Gary? All right. What else? Donovan, last week, you gave rides home, right? Right? I would consider that salt, right? So I, those small acts of service. So Vicente, walking from 13th Street on the east side, he said it takes him about 45 minutes. If it's a slow walk, he goes, but I can power walk and get there in 30 minutes. Well, it's hot. And there were storms coming. And Donovan's like, hey, I'm driving. I can give you a ride. Donovan doesn't have to. But he's walking with Jesus, and he wants to reflect, pour out some salt. Right? What else? How should your classes look? Because you're in them. Better as in what, though? Paying attention. Okay, so paying attention to the teacher. I would even go more. Could you change a culture that caps on people to a culture where encouragement is the norm? I think so. Could you give hope into some hopeless situations at our school and our family? So we see a student come in, we see they're having a bad day, and it's easy to ignore them, like, oh, he's crazy anyway. We don't want. Or you can come around and be some salt and be some light. And, and you never know when those opportunities come, right? You two are working, right? Do you think you're working so that you guys get rich? Why do you think God's placed you in somewhere to work, making some money? Every week. It's not this every other week you get a paycheck. Every week you get to cash the check. Why do you think God's done that? Yep. So you can be... Salt and light. What happens when you're salt and light? Who gets the glory? Even more. God gets the glory. 
People get to see what you do, and then they give glory to God. All right? And so, hey, I would do this with every area of your life. And so one thing that I'd like to do with our family, with four girls, we're going to sit down and we're going to say, hey, how can we be salt and light in our home? Right now, we have a four-month-old, Dia. She can be salt and light just by sleeping through the night. Right? We don't expect much from her. Just give us some rest, which she has. Thankfully, she's been, been well. But, man, there's, there's ways a fourth grader can be salt and light that we couldn't. And there's ways a middle schooler and a high schooler and a wife or a husband can be salt and light that other people can't. And we need to be intentional about that. We're not there by accident. And, and then I need to talk with the family. How can we be salt and light in our neighborhood? Like Birch Avenue, the street I live on, should be radically different because we're on the street. Your neighborhood should be radically different because you're on the street. And it's not because we're so special or you're so special, but Jesus is. And Jesus changes everything. And so I, I want to leave you with this. I, I think this is very, very important. And I think this is the key. In John chapter uh, 15, and we're going to look at three verses. And so if you're taking notes, a, a good passage to team up with this, salt and light, is John 15. And it's the, the story where Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. And, and I want you to see the connection. Because the tendency is when you hear salt and light, it's, it's like, I just got to do better and I'll be all right. Oh, I got to do all these good works and then give glory to God. But that's not what the passage is talking about. This is what the passage is talking about. This is a helpful explanation. And so John 15, verse 5, Jesus is speaking. He's saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you want to produce fruit, it's only by staying connected to Christ. And so right now, if you're looking at your life and you're like saying, I'm not producing much, it's not going to happen by trying harder. It will happen by staying connected to Jesus. And so that might mean getting up earlier to get into the Word. It might mean sacrificing a meal so you can spend time praying might mean getting together with a small group of believers to encourage one another and spur each other on to good works. It happens as you're connected to Christ. And then we see in verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. God is glorified when His people are connected to Christ, producing good fruit. And who knows what that could look like? Can you imagine a church filled with people that is serious about being salt and light to this world. That's why I love being located in Covington, Kentucky. What's our reputation? Not a lot of good things on the news about Covington, Kentucky, are there? Hey, but there's a church. And there's a church that knows Jesus. And they can be filled with people that are serious about being salt and light to the glory of God. And then check this last promise out. John 15, 11, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You want to have joy? Produce fruit. You want to produce fruit? Stay in Christ. That's how you're going to be salt and light. And, and so I'm going to leave you with this. There's a song that I learned as a kid. I'm not going to sing it, but you guys know it. This little light of mine, right? 
This is a lot of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Don't even know what a bushel was at that time, but I know I didn't want to hide my light underneath a bushel. Don't want to let Satan it out. Right? I'm going to let it shine. And, and I love the words that uh, Rutha May Harris put to this. You can't just sing this little light of mine. You have to shout it. And so I love the picture of this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And here's my question for you. Are you lighting up the places God's placed you in? Your work, your home, your neighborhood, your school. Man, may this be true of us. Because Jesus said, you are the light and you are salt. So may people see our good works and give glory to our God. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray as I pray. You, just, you can pray to yourself. Pray for the first family. Pray for the second family. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us here this morning. Father, I pray that you move. Lord, I pray that if anybody in the room has no idea that Jesus is the light of the world, I pray that today they see his glory, that they call on him to be saved. Father, I pray for the believers in the room that you show us how to be salt and light. Father, we need wisdom in that. I do pray that we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we pursue you. Lord, I pray that we throw off the things that are keeping us back from running the race you've marked out for us. And Lord, I pray that Redemption Church will be a church that lights up a dark place wherever you place us, both here, near, and far. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our city. I pray that you're glorified with what we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.